This is the Live Your Edge podcast, episode 20. This is Gilbert. Welcome to the podcast. Today, our guest is Nkrumah Pierre. Nkrumah previously was the managing director of My Business Matches. An online portal that connects buyers and suppliers based on business categories and tracks the business results between buyers and qualified suppliers. Nakuma is currently the director of business development at Einstein Amper, and he's also known as the master connector. I had the privilege of knowing Nakuma for a number of years, and now Nakuma and I are going to share with you some of the tips on networking that we have been able to. Learn over the last few years that have been able to elevate our careers. Join me in welcoming Nakuma Pierre. Hey everyone, here with Nakuma from、uh, Einzenamper. He is the director of. Business development, and today we're going to talk about networking and networking strategies from the master connector himself. So, Nakuma, how did you get started with networking your your career? Tell us a bit more about、uh, your story. Absolutely. So, first up, Gilbert, thank you for having me. I know it took us about four months to get this on the calendar, but. We are here, alive in the flesh. Thanks for the opportunity. Hello, Instagram. Hello, mom. Hi, dad. Hi, family. So my background. So I、uh, was born in Manchester, England, and came over here when I was three. So I'm an immigrant. My background is West Indian.、Uh, my mom's from Jamaica. My dad's from Dominica. You know, my family has always been a culture and a family where we instill a lot of values. We've always worked super hard, and we've never really let adversity really hold us back. So I went to school. Out in Queens, then moved to Long Island in、uh, the early '90s. Moved to Glenhead, New York. Shout out to Long Island and Glenhead. Went to school there, elementary, middle, high school. Then I went to college out at Lafayette, fellow Pards, Lafayette Patriot League. Graduated from Lafayette in '06, and、uh, started my professional career full time after graduating. Wow! And when did you decide that networking was essential to growing your career and your business? I mean, listen. So networking has always been part of my my brand, my fabric.、Uh, when I really noticed noticed the、uh, the value of networking, it had to have been my internship at Bloomberg.、Mm-hmm. So I interned at Bloomberg back in '05. It's funny being how old was I then? So in '05, I was. Twenty, I was twenty. You know, all my buddies were working at Goldman, Lehman Brothers when it existed, Bear Stearns, Morgan Stanley, all the big banks, and I worked at at、uh, Bloomberg, and we serviced all the big the big banks and financial services institutions. And what I found was, you know, after work, I mean, we're all interning, we're all doing pretty well. After work, there wasn't really anything for us to do, right? Like we weren't twenty one yet, we're all in college, and I was like, we have a great community of great people doing awesome things. Let's bring everyone together. No one is really focusing on that segment of the market.、Mm. And I said, "Listen, I have a lot of friends here at Bloomberg. There's about forty of us、yeah. under twenty-one interning, and I had all my buddies that were at law firms and investment banks. So I said, 'You know what? I'm going to put together a networking event.' And it's funny because we, as we sit here on forty-seventh and third, the event was actually on fiftieth and first, not far from here,、mm, yeah. at a place called Azaza, which doesn't exist anymore." So I basically one day after work, actually on my lunch break at、uh, at Bloomberg, I went to local restaurants. Right, I saw Azaza. It was beautiful, really nice place, kind of swanky. And I walked in. I said, 
you know, I may have to speak to the manager or the owner. And they're like, who's this young guy coming in? And I met this guy, his name was Lance, and said, listen, this is what I'd like to do. I would like to put together an event after work on, an, on a night where you guys are dead. Like, give mm-hmm. me a night when there's nothing going on. Yeah. And I'd, li- I'd like to bring people between 5.30 and 8.30, keeping in mind, a lot of us are under 21, the majority of us, and some folks might be over 21, 21 and over. Those folks can get wristbands, so yeah. they can get alcohol, and everyone else assume they are under 21, no alcohol. Yeah. He was like, I love it. I was like, all right, great. So let's get a date. We got a date together. And I put together this event. I sent it out to all my friends at Bloomberg and outside. And we had about 100 people wow. come out. And mm. the beautiful thing about it was after the great event, everyone was like, okay, when's the next one? The restaurant owner was super happy. He just had 100 new people coming to his establishment. Yeah. He made money. I didn't ask for a cent. I didn't need any of the money. I just wanted a venue that would yeah. be that would cater to us. And we'd have it for the entire night. And that's what I got. After you created a successful event, Mm -hmm. you decided to start a company. Well, before, I mean, I'll take a step back. So before even starting a company, right? So I was 20 years old, did did this successful event at Bloomberg. And really what was beautiful about that was one, seeing the diversity of people that came out. And basically the the untapped opportunity really where, you know, you had this demographic that was underserved. And I created a solution to basically bringing them all out. So we had this platform, right? So that was one. Just really seeing the the value of bringing these people together, the power. That was one. Two, um, once I got the job, well, I got the opportunity to apply for the full-time job. I had a potential job at Bloomberg, right? Mm. Which was powerful. I didn't end up working for Bloomberg. I worked for M&T Bank. But yeah. the cool thing was having that opportunity on the table, right? So that was great. Now, I didn't start a company at that point. I went and worked full-time at M&T Bank upon graduation. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I started the firm. We can get to that later. You started working, and uh, later on, you you decide to leave that company and create a company for bringing together people. Mm-hmm. And uh, your business was, premise of your business was on networking, on, right. on connecting people. And- Adding value, right. So I'll fast forward. So after M&T Bank, uh, 2008 hit, crisis, yeah. lost my job, had to reinvent myself, fell into executive recruiting. Oddly enough, through a buddy of mine from Lafayette, um, yeah. and I worked, start work, started working at Execute Search for about three years, and then I went to a few other recruiting firms, and then I started my own company. To your point, yes, PLG was predicated on making high-level introductions yeah. for our clients and prospective clients with the, the goal of expediting the business development process yeah. by leveraging our relationships. So that was okay. the business in a nutshell. We also curated high-level networking events, mm. thought leadership events, where again, was giving back to my network by allowing them the platform to be on a panel, right? Yeah. And get exposure and potential new business. So it was almost like the gift they kept giving, if you will. Um, so that was PLG. I started PLG in 2014, had the company for about four years. Wow. What have you learned over the last few years when it comes to networking? How can people make use of or master the skill? It's funny, I call yeah. myself the master connector, but I have not mastered making connections yet, right? So mm. I'm. Again, I'm honing the craft, I'm honing the skill. It's almost impossible to say that you've completely mastered something. Mm. In my opinion, you can be proficient at it, but to be a master of it, like not many people achieve that level. Mm. So with regard to networking, again, I'm learning every day. I make mistakes, right? Hopefully I have the same mistakes twice. But with networking, some of the um, nuggets of information that I can provide that I've learned that have helped me are one, always add value. Add Mm. value first, ask second. I can't tell you how many people I meet I say, oh my God, you have 16,000 contacts on LinkedIn, you're yeah. a master connector. 
I want you to help me. I'm like, dude, I don't even know you. It's funny. I yeah, had lunch yeah. at um, the Monkey Bar, actually, down on 54th Street in Midtown, very famous bar and restaurant. And the guy, the gentleman that I sat with is a wealth advisor. Yeah. And he was like, so, man, I hear you're the guy. I hear you're the man. How can we do business? I'm like, dude, I don't know you. I just met you. You're nice with a nice restaurant, yeah, but yeah. I don't know you. Again, let's get let's get there, right? Yeah. Like, it's like you go on a first date. Can I marry you? No. Like, no, I don't no. know you, right? So, my whole thing is... It's the, it's the no like, you know, trust factor. Right. It. So it's to, to, to do business with someone, you have to know, you have to like, trust, and respect them. Those are the three yeah. things. Like, trust, and respect them. So I like this guy, but I didn't know him yet, right? Yeah. Do I respect him? I didn't not respect him, but like, I think respect is earned, not given, mm. right? So I said, whoa, whoa, pump your brakes. Let me learn more about you. Yeah. Where are you from? Turned out the guy's from Long Island. Okay. Graduated the same year from high school, same year from college that okay. I did. Literally, we probably played each other in lacrosse. He played lacrosse. Right. It's just wild. So before he told me any of the things about his personal life, he said, how can we work together? I'm like, pause, hold on, let's get to know each other. Yeah. And then we found out we had so much in common. Just the knowing part is actually sometimes the hardest because yeah. a lot of times when we meet people at events, we might not necessarily open up as much as to say our friends over you know, happy hour right. and, and so forth. Right. And also think about it, right? If you open up to everyone the same amount, right? What value, what value do you provide, right? Mm. Like if everyone gets all of Gilbert or all yeah. of Nkrumah in the first go, that means it's it's easy to get, right? Mm. But if I reserve some of, you know, my most important details or information that I have access to or people that I have access to, my best yeah. relationships, if I hold that close to the, to the chest or close to the vest, that's where the value comes in, right? If everyone got access to my sixteen thousand contacts, it wouldn't even it wouldn't be of use to anyone or of value yeah. because it's like, well, if you got that from Nkrumah, I know I can get that as well. Then it gets to a point where what value is Nkrumah providing? Yeah, right. But now, if I only provide value to those who provide value to me, where yeah. we reciprocate, yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's where it makes sense. And how does how can somebody add value? to a new contact mm-hmm. you know like how do you find out like what are some of the questions you might ask to sure. to figure out what is it that this person needs and how we can add absolutely value to them? so when i have meetings with people that i like trust and respect yeah. right just like yourself i say you know what can i do to add value to your business mm. or to your career or to your trajectory professionally right like what can i do to help mm. and it's so funny because there's an article in the new york times where most people don't ask for help. The reason why most people don't get help isn't because no one wants to give it. It's because no one asks for it, right? Mm. It's almost like in sales. You have to, at some point in time, not out the gate, but mm. you have to ask for the business, mm. right? If you never ask, you don't know where someone stands. So the same thing with networking. So my thing is I ask, how can I help improve your business or increase your business? One, mm. um, What are some of your pain points? Like, yeah. what are you facing in the market that is difficult that is stopping you from being successful. Someone might say, Nkrumah, you know what? I just don't have the resources on my team. Okay, there, yeah. there's a staffing play, right? I used to do staffing for 10 years. Maybe I can help make an introduction to one of my recruiters. Maybe I can help through friends of the firm at Eisner Amper. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways, right? Or someone might say, you know what? Man, we have this really big tax issue. Oh my gosh, it's driving my CFO crazy. Okay, maybe I can bring in my tax team, yeah. right? Like, But if I don't ask the questions, they're not gonna come out and tell me all their problems mm-hmm. because no one wants to just dump their problems on you yeah. Just meeting you. But if you ask, completely different situation. What specifically, any sort of inquiry or 
sort of probing questions will you ask to understand more about that person and again what is it that they sure they need so i think the first yeah. step is figuring out if you even like the person right like yeah. it's so basic and sounds so simplistic but like i think the biggest thing with regard to networking is do i even like the person yeah seriously because at the end of the day the beauty of networking is you help the people in your network that you like trust and respect right yeah and the and the goal of networking is, in my opinion, is one, add value first, ask second. And when you add value to people that you like, they want to reciprocate and they want to help you. Now, yeah. and you also have to be authentic, right? So yeah. many, a lot of sales folks, I'm in sales, we get a bad rap where they're disingenuous. So my thing is first, my thing is first figure out if you like the person. Mm-hmm. Once you get past that, great, awesome. Next step, right? Next step is, okay, let me figure out how, let me figure out what I can do to help the person. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, I have to ask the probing questions. How can I help improve your business? What are some of the pain points that you're facing with your business or issues that you have professionally that I can help with? Or what strategic introductions can I make where people can solve some of those problems that you're facing? So you have Mm -hmm. to ask the questions. You also have to follow up. And if you say you're going to do something, for example, if I have an awesome meeting with you and I say, yes, well, I'm going to introduce you to my lawyer, my tax accountant, and also my recruiting buddy, and then I never do it, Shame on me, right? Yeah. So your follow, so your your promises have to be tight. But your follow up has to be even tighter, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And listen, if you're a guy or girl who can walk into a room, state your value, right? Mm-hmm. List off a, a number of great introductions that you can make, and then you follow up and actually make those intros. It puts you in a completely different stratosphere. And and yeah. sadly, by you just doing what you say you're going to do, makes you, in my opinion, five to six times more valuable than those who are out there because a lot of people talk a big game yeah and don't necessarily back it up i see i see that a lot you go to some events people are like oh i'm gonna introduce you this person let's get coffee and and all of this stuff but when you go back home you, you drop them an email or or something and they don't answer or right, it right. happens all the time it happens man. all the time and uh, it's kind of sad because they're sort of destroying these opportunities before they even have a chance to but here's what i know. say to that here's what i say so there is so much noise in the market right yeah like, it took us four, again, we rock, we follow each other on social, right? Yeah. We talk periodically, we email. But it took us four months to get this on the calendar because of our... And and before that, it took sure. us four years to even meet <laughs> in person. <laughs> right. But yeah. you're super persist- persistent, which I love. Yeah. And you're like, listen, I don't care how long it takes. We're going to do yeah. it. And we got it done. Exactly. That's the mindset. That's like... the mindset. But back to the noise. So yeah. there's so much noise in the market, right? Yeah. There's so yeah. many people who network selfishly, mm. Right. It's only it's it's all about self interest. It's all about um, ulterior motives. How do I get ahead? Me, 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 me. Yeah. It's a world we live in. Social media, IG, selfies, all that is about me, mm. right? Me, the person, you, the person. But it's all it's about ourselves, right? Mm. So I always say, listen, folks are doing me a favor, right? Yeah. When we network and they never follow up, that's great. Listen, the folks that I need and want to get in touch with, please believe I will. Yeah. Because that's just me. That's just what I do, right? Yeah. But the folks, in my opinion, who are not legit, that really can add value, that are takers, mm-hmm. if they don't follow follow with me or you, that's doing us a favor. Now, yeah. where there's opportunities and people fail to respond because they're just dropping the ball, you're right. That's a missed opportunity. Those, in my opinion, that's disappointing, right? Yeah. But if you are a true executive, a true professional, and you really make a lasting impression on someone... And you have a great conversation. You talk about all the things you can do together. And then you both follow up. Like mm. some of my recent meetings this week. I know it's going to be a win-win relationship. Mm. 
for me, it's very easy and very telling what happens early on in a relationship. I'll give you an example. Some of my most difficult clients that I have today, whether it be here at Eisner Amper, when I had my own consulting practice, when I was doing recruiting, within the first, the first week to two weeks of trying to land the business, when we got to let, call it the initial phase or when it got to the final signing of the contract phase, yeah. the way that I interacted with that prospect during that time was very telling how my relationship was going to be going forward. Meaning, yeah. the folks who were super difficult when it comes to locking them down for a meeting, locking them down to sign a contract, getting the backup information they need to provide, whether it be insurance or all the other backup information. Yeah. If they're sloppy with that, unable to do that, it's very telling with regard to how the relationship is going to mm. flow when they become a client. What I'm yeah. saying is, early on in my career, I would not walk away from opportunities because I didn't have that many, <laughs> right? So as a sales guy, I basically wanted to do business with everyone and yeah. anyone that had a pulse and that was like, hey, I, need, I have staffing needs. Hey, I need accounting. I, that was me. I was yeah. a young sales guy. And again, not saying I'm an old sales guy now, but I have a little more experience, <laughs> right? But I would go for all types of business. Yeah. Now, I would, and again, I would kind of um, disregard the red flags. So I want to close the deal. Now, it's completely different, right? Because, listen, if I see how things are progressing early on, and I don't like the way they feel or sound, yeah, I might call the client out on that. I might push them a little bit where like, I, I might push back where it's like, hey, yeah. listen, I need this information in the next two days, yeah. or it's going to be more expensive, or we might not be able to do this deal. I now yeah. have the ability and the confidence to push back on clients that are not getting a prospective clients that are not providing the information in a timely fashion. So my point is, very early on, you can tell the folks who are going to be super difficult. And if they're difficult on the prospecting side, please believe they're going to be difficult when they're clients. And yeah. sometimes it makes more sense to walk away yeah. from a piece of business than land a piece of business where the realization isn't high, the margins aren't high, because the client fails to provide the information in a timely fashion. Mm. So is there also a case where, yeah, some people, they are really busy. Yep. And in the beginning, it's going to be really, really difficult to get in touch with them. Really hard to lock down, lock them down mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. on some commitments. Yes. Uh, but, you know, with time, it gets better. Is oh, there any cases where that happens? That's a great point. That's a yeah. huge point, right? So there have been vendors who have tried to sell me X product, service, whatever it is, right? Where, listen, on the front yeah. end, I'm super busy. They're not a priority. And that's the other yeah. thing. As you get more and more busy and more and more senior, um, you have to prioritize your time, right? I have a son who's yeah. 19 months. My wife and I have been married for four years, right? I can't go out every single night like I used to when I was yeah. single with no kid, right? It's just you have to prioritize. So um, what I found is, yes, man, sometimes it might be really difficult to get in front of a prospect. Once you've yeah. proved your worth and the value that you can add, whether it be a solution or you can save them money, right? It kind of flips the script because now you were just a vendor before trying to sell me something. Yeah. But now you've proven that you can help me save me money and save me time. You've now become a priority, right? Mm. So you're in a different bucket. So yes, they're absolutely great point. People do change in that process. In that, um, when you think of like the um, the the timeline, or when you think of when you think of the continuum, like you move up the continuum where like you're you're more of a priority. Yeah. Now, yes, people can change. People can evolve. But what I will say, the folks who are a pain in the you know what. Just yeah. because if that's just in their nature, no matter yeah. what you do, they're going to continue to be a stickler and or a pain. Those yeah. are the people or the clients or the prospects I would say to watch out for. Now, listen, yeah. 
sometimes it's still a profitable deal to do business with those people. My point to you is not, listen, don't do, don't do deals with difficult people. I'm not saying that. But when you recognize that a client or a prospect could be difficult, mm. open your eyes, right? And handle them accordingly because it's a terrible thing to spend and to spin your wheels and waste a lot of time on doubling back, yeah. right? When things can be done in, a, in an efficient manner, but the client is being super difficult. So all mm. I'm saying is, it's client management, right? KYA, yeah. know your audience, right? So just have an idea of where you put clients in the buckets. Because remember, as a vendor, you're also put in different buckets by your client. And I would add that, let's say they become your client. I mean, they're super difficult. They'd probably be causing most of your problems, 80%. And they might be trying to, they might be, they not, might not even be the highest, right. the highest paying ones. Sometimes, that's, a, that's another great point. Some of my biggest clients, yeah, when they want to grab lunch, want to see me, they don't necessarily, they don't care where we go. They don't have to go to Del Frisco's, right? They don't have to go to the most expensive restaurant in New York City to have yeah. lunch. Some of my best clients. And it's so funny because <laughs> I tell you, people who are takers want you for everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I've had prospects who have no interest in even doing business with me, but want to go to Del Frisco's, right? Or I have, you know, people in my network that just want to go to the most expensive place just because they want, they want to take advantage. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is... When folks trust, like, and respect you, it doesn't matter where you eat. It doesn't matter how much money you spend on them. They want to get to know Gilbert. They want to get yeah. to know Nkrumah. And those are the best. You have friends that do the same, right? Yeah. You probably have people in your network that only call you when you have bottle service and you're doing it big. Yeah. But your ride or die or your day ones are the yeah. people who are with you regardless. doesn't matter what time, right? They're like, listen, I'm down for you. You want to go and grab drinks? You want to go to the local pub? I'm down. It doesn't matter. I want to see you. So you, you want to kind of... You want to kind of elevate or evolve the relationships to the point where you can truly get there. And I'm not saying become boys with all your clients. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But if you can develop the relationship where people are like, you know what? I don't want to let Nkrumah or Gilbert down. Yeah. I don't want to disappoint him. Right? Like when people get to that point, you've kind of surpassed the supplier-client relationship. And it's like, okay, now we're friendly. We don't have to be friends or boys, but we're yeah. friendly. And the relationship is really evolved. Mm. So how how do you stay on top of you have a lot of relationships that you're managing at once? How yep. do you how do you manage them? Yeah, man, it's a great question. It's a great question. So I have you know sixteen thousand contacts on LinkedIn. And I don't say that to boast. I just say that to give an idea of you know the amount, the sheer amount and volume of people. Right. Mm. Um, I'll tell you, LinkedIn is a major major resource for me. LinkedIn really helps me keep on top of it. That's one. So yeah. social media as a whole. This helps, yeah. right? So the fact that I'm talking to my buddy Ken Miles, who lives in Harlem, um, my buddy Darnell, who lives in Jersey, through social, right? Yeah. This is a, um, a touch point, right? So it's an opportunity to talk where we're not in front of each other yeah. um, or connect. So social media has been huge with regard to being able to kind of stay in touch with my contacts is one. Two, <laughs> back to social media, it's also a great way to consume information. So yeah. Twitter is great because quick little sound bites, great. LinkedIn's awesome. You get anniversaries, birth dates, acquisitions, business deals. You see all of that real time or at least, you know, as close to real time as possible. And then the other thing, too, is just I host a ton of events. So I found events to be a major business development tool. Yeah. Um, now, again, live events, right? live events. So like yeah. some guys and girls go to conferences. No disrespect. I'm not a big conference guy. 
Yeah. I would rather, and I've told my bosses, I would rather go to a conference in San Diego and Florida, wherever it is, yeah. California, Florida, wherever, and not buy a ticket to the conference, right? Yeah. But get a hotel where the conference is taking place, hang out at the bar, hang yeah. out in the local area. I would rather do that because, listen, conferences are great, but the networking that happens at the conferences, in my opinion, is where I really succeed and where yeah. I where I shine. So my thing is like, why spend two or three K on a ticket? I'm not sneaking into the conference. I'm just not going. Yeah. I'm going to be around the people that are going to be there. If I know my clients and prospects are going to be there, I'll yeah. let them know. Hey, I'm going to be in San Diego that, at the same time. These are some gold keys. Right? Oh my God. This is yeah. I'm serious. So why spend five grand on the ticket? I'll spend five grand on traveling there and staying in a hotel and maybe yeah. whining and dining. Then I'm not paying 5K for the conference ticket, right? Yeah. Now, again, some conferences I still do pay for. But I'm just saying, if I don't really have that much interest in the conference per se, and I've looked at the agenda, I'm not really that impressed. But you're interested in the people, people. that are are attending the conference exactly i'll do that and, and what you would do is uh in my mind you would you'll be in the bar you might uh you might see a bunch of people from the conference wearing tags you just see the company name and then you start conversations Strike with conversation. them exactly. and and then you have a huge budget now my budget has got increased yeah because now you, got increased. you can just go and uh, say okay let's let's have a drink let's, let's, a, let's get uh, dinner yeah, or, or anything like that yeah and, it's an awesome strategy so that's that's what i've used so you have actually flew across the country and you know, just went to show them at the bar, waiting, Absolutely. waiting for people to... Now, again, that sounds super <laughs> creepy. I haven't done that exactly, but <laughs> I've flown across the country, not paid for the conference. Again, you just I, show up at that time when, when people are just... So, like, let's be very clear. Yeah. <laughs> I will go to a city where the conference is taking place, do the research, figure out which hotel the conference is taking place yeah. in, stay in that hotel, preferably, or close by, and then the due diligence that I do beforehand is get an idea of which... Let's say it's a CFO conference or a compliance conference. My contacts, who I know go to those conferences, ping them yeah. a week or two before the event. Are you going to this? Con- are you going to the SIFMA conference? Are yeah. you going to the CFO national conference? Yes, in Kroom, I am. Great. I'll be there too. Would love to grab lunch. So I'll set up meetings in the city, in the respective city before I get there, yeah. knowing the conference is there. So the conference is like the anchor event and yeah. I build around it. And oh, by the way, I'll hang out in the lobby. I'll hang out at the bar or at the local restaurant, right? And then I will, yes, strike com- strike a conversation with those people, but also have those meetings on the calendar already pre-booked. And if they have any people that you feel they feel that would be... Oh, yeah. yeah. So they're typically there with their colleagues, their peers in the industry. And of course, they're typically going to invite them out. The other thing is I play a lot of golf. So I'll bring my golf clubs, right? Golf is a great way to get out. Again, you don't have to play. You could just go and hit the driving range, right? You can play nine holes. You don't have to play 18. A lot of folks say, oh, it's 18, it's four hours. No, do, do nine holes. You, yeah. And it's half the price. You can do that. Yeah. It's half the price. It's half the or you price. can do nine holes with uh, what, well, one uh, foursome, and then you do another nine there holes you go. right after that. Now you're thinking. So my point is you can get creative, and people yeah. love that, right? Listen, when you're at a conference, especially these technical conferences, it's super, it's super, uh, it's a brain drain, right? Where you're yeah. just like, oh, my God, I'm exhausted. I want to do something different. And I'm the different thing, right? We can go play golf. We can grab a bite. We can, um, you know, sometimes it's funny. Some of my clients like to work out. I yeah. go running with a client, right? Some some <laughs> like to go do spin. Like there's so many CrossFit. There's so many cool things you can do. And this is something that I, I wanted to share that I, I use when I go to conferences. I list I list out the speakers that I want to get in touch with. Mm-hmm. I send emails to these speakers mm-hmm. and I ask them. I do the research. I find out a question that I really want to ask them. I find a question that particularly that would be really customized personalized with them mm-hmm. i asked that question to the to that person and usually they will reply right okay. you say that you're showing up and then the subject that I write see you at 
this conference mm-hmm. question mark right okay. uh, or something like that and first of all it's relevant to them so yes. it's likelihood they're going to open that email yes. or someone or their secretary or, or someone is going to open that email and once they open it they check it they say oh i'm going to be around you know you can find me i've been able to get in touch with some of the like CEOs and executives Love using it. this method. Love Have it. you heard of Keith Ferrazzi? Keith Ferrazzi wrote the book uh, Never Eat Alone. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, so yes, another book. he was in Chicago uh, and that's what I did. I sent him an email saying, wow. oh, see, see me on site. He's, wow. he just wrote, see me on site. And I showed up there and this is what happened. He gave that's a keynote. Huge. He gave a keynote and what happened afterward was there was like 300 people. Never eat alone. <laughs> My boy Ken Miles <laughs> on it. Always. <laughs> Well, there was was three there was three like three hundred people online trying to talk to him afterward. They were just handing out their name cards, right. like trying to take pictures with right, him right, and all right. of that. I just showed up and I said, "Hey, Keith, uh, <laughs> it's uh, me, Gilbert. We spoke uh, via email." He's like, "Oh, wow!" Like you know, like instantly the, he knew he knew, and he's like, "Oh man, I've been trying to look for you. You know, I wanted to reach out to you last night and have dinner." Or some, something like what? that, right? It's crazy. Like That's I, awesome. I did not think that it was, uh, it was even a possibility. Like something on the and, and what ended up happening was I was having a chat with him on the way back to the hotel to his hotel. So I was walking with him. Mm-hmm. Everyone was trying to come up to him, talk right. to him, and all right. of this right. stuff, right? right. right. And he, right. it was kind of funny because when you're following these people, and then they're like, there's people coming in from left and right, right? It's just ridiculous. But then I'm just like, no, okay, just waiting. And people are looking at me, looking at him, like. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Yeah. Well, who is this Instant guy? Instant credibility for you. Instant credibility. Instant. And uh, it, it was it was awesome. Listen, and man. It's just... Gilbert, I love it. So, I mean, in closing, right? Because we've been yeah. talking for a while and, you know, we can definitely do this again. Just like a few nuggets, right? Yeah. Information. So, or tips. So, you know, clearly you and I, we met, I think, for the first time after four years of making it happen, like, what, a year ago? Nine yeah, months ago? Yeah, right? something like that. And then we got this on the calendar. We had to reschedule a bunch of times. And your persistence has been amazing. So mm-hmm. kudos, respect to you. I mean, when it comes to networking, man, I tell people, first and foremost, just be yourself, right? Like, yeah. be your best self possible. Be authentic. Be honest. Listen, man, if you miss a meeting and you're running, or you're running late, be honest and say that. Yeah. Don't say I'm around the block and be two hours away. Like, yeah. just be honest. Like, dude, I'm just waking up. I'm so sorry, right? Yeah. Or I completely missed this on my calendar. Yeah. Instead of making up some story and then getting caught in a lie, right? It's just not worth it. Listen, at the end of the day, we're all humans. Just like yeah. your man's a human who said, you know, never eat alone, right? Like, he's a human. You had you took out the, the whole facade of social media and you said, listen, I'll see you there. I'll see you at this conference. <laughs> Read your book. And it worked. And then you followed up. Right. Yeah. Because most people, the noise is, hey, let's get together. Hey, let's get yeah. together. And they're like, whenever you're free. And I'm like, dude, whenever I'm free, how about you tell me three or four times at work for you over the yeah. next week? Then I look at my calendar. Right. So here's the thing. I love when people when people say, hey, I want to get in your calendar. I'm like, great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And that's it, dude. I'm not going to go. If you want to get on my calendar, I'm not going to go to my calendar and then send you four or five dates. The way it works is. I want to do as little work as possible, right? Yeah. If I want to get in touch with you. I want make you it, to make it easy to make say. it easy, right? Yeah. Another thing I can't stand when people say, "Oh, here's my link. Go on my link and figure out what time works." I can't stand that. That just makes me very upset. So <laughs> my thing is, send me three to four dates and times, mm-hmm. right, that work for you, so I can then just check that or send that to my colleague, and we can figure out if those dates work for us. Instead of saying, "I want to get in your calendar," yeah, figure it out or. A great way to set up meetings, too, is, hey, I'm going to be in your area. I see you in Midtown Manhattan, uh, Gilbert, 753rd Avenue. 
I'm actually going to be in that area next week. Now, yeah. it's not a lie, right? You are going to be in that area if you say you're available. I'll yeah. be in that area, right? So my point is, these are tricks to get meetings. But in order to get meetings, you have to throw out options. Yeah. Because to say, like, I want to be, I want to meet you in November. November has X amount of dates, right? Days. Yeah. Like, give me a date and time that you yeah. think might work for you. Propose it. And then let me kind of come back. It's like a game of ping pong. And, and there's also, um, I think there's a there's sort of a tip with, with getting, I'm sure you can throw out a tip that for getting in touch with difficult to reach people. And my, my, my tip would be, like you said, I'll be in this area, you know, mm-hmm. tomorrow. If you happen to be around, love to, love to right. buy you coffee or something. I don't That's know, good. Something. Or, or back to the conference. I noticed you're going to be at the SIFMA conference. I look at the yeah. agenda. You're speaking from 2 to 3 p.m. Yeah. Might you, and again, I never like to meet people before they speak. I like to meet them afterwards because then I yeah. can congratulate them on a great job, right? Yeah. Be- beginning that, you know, before the, the speaking, the nervous or the nervous and preparing. So I like to do it afterwards. I know she's speaking from two to three. We'd love to get in your calendar around 3.30 or 4 p.m. Yeah. or on the following day, right? So give them like exact times and dates. That's one. Two, I noticed that you're an avid um, triathlete. Yeah. Um, I imagine you probably get up early to work out. Listen, I. And if we're in the same hotel, maybe yeah. we can go for a run. Yeah. Maybe we can go for go a to run. The gym. We can go to the gym. Like, there's so yeah. many cool things you can do. They're not very invasive, right? It's yeah. like, all right, well, I was going to go to the gym anyway. Going to the gym in the hotel. It's a public gym. So I guess I could meet him at the gym. That's cool. Great. So yeah. there's ways to be innovative and unique. And then also, you know, like, if you're an executive, a lot of executives get up really early and go to bed kind of late. Or, sorry, yeah. get up early, go to bed early. What I tend to do is I want to email when... They are getting the least amount of emails. So yeah. I'll email them really, really early. Sometimes I'll email them on weekends. Weekends, it's a lower email volume, right? Mm. So it's funny. Even my partners here, a lot of my managing partners here, they answer their emails even quicker on weekends. Listen, a lot of us are online, whether it be on our phones or doing some catch-up work on yeah. a Sunday. It's funny. Sundays between 6 and 9 p.m. are awesome times to get really busy executives' attention. Because they're getting ready for the They're the prepping week. for Monday. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what I do. And that's why they're executives, because they're prepping for the, the week. Exactly. Wow. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot of tips right there. Yes, I think uh, our audience will get a lot of value out of this. Wow. Thanks a lot for all this uh, great pleasure. gold nuggets, uh, wisdom of knowledge. Yes, sir. And if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Yes, sir. So definitely LinkedIn, right? So at Nkrumah Pierre, N-K-R-U. M-A-H, last name is Pierre, P-I-E-R-R-E. Connect with me. Write a little note in the LinkedIn invitation. I'll accept on Instagram at CrewVision, at K-R-U, Vision. Not True Vision, but Crew Vision. And um, What's the story behind that? <laughs> I just wanted something creative, man. People call me Crew for short, K-R-U, and oh, Nkrumah. And I was like, you know, I love having, you know, True vision being honest, so crew vision. That's it. Ah, that's awesome, man. (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, listen, thank you so much, IG. Thank you, Gilbert. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming to the office. Thanks Let's do it again. Let's do it again. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. You can find more episodes every Tuesday. If you haven't done so, please subscribe for more updates as they come. Until next time.